Yeah, good evening, everybody. How are you doing? What a joy, a pleasure, and privilege it is to be with you this evening. Thank you for dropping by Friday Night Live. And uh, let's see here. You've mentioned that, yeah, just Q&A me, man. Boom, hit me with the Q&As. I've got a rant bottled up in me like a man with his ass sewn shut after a face full of Indian food. All right. Steph, you mentioned that you don't believe in spirits. Why? I myself have first-hand experience with the paranormal. Empirical plus photos. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. So, um, the paranormal, by definition, is that which can't be measured by the senses and is opposite to reason, right? It's an effect without a cause, right? It's a consciousness without a brain. Uh, it's uh, a, a being without a body. So uh, you don't you don't have any evidence. If you had evidence, it wouldn't be paranormal, right? So if you had actual scientific evidence to paranormal things, it wouldn't be paranormal, right? It would be like, I can see through skin. I can tell both. It's like, okay, it's called an x-ray. It's not, it's not psychic powers. It's just an x-ray. So you don't... Uh, you don't have you don't have shit, man. You don't have squat. You've got nothing. You've got nothing. You've got nothing. Uh, and and photos. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. Like so, many many years ago, uh, I I hosted a, a friend of mine from Japan. Was on vacation. He asked me to host his show. <laughs> the fool, the madman. And so I hosted his show, and I did a segment on UFOs. And I was like, so when I was a kid, UFOs was like a big thing. Close Encounters of the Third Kind and all of that. And UFOs was a big thing. And I remember saying, James Corbett, it was James Corbett's show. Not that he's not to be blamed for anything that's happened to me since, but... Um, and I said in James Corbett's show, I said, you know, when I was a kid, UFOs was a big thing. And, you know, so we just need, we just need the empirical evidence. And I was like, okay, well, let's give everyone in the known universe a high-definition 4K 60 frames a second camera. And of course, we still don't have any, any videos. So, uh, no, you don't. You don't have shit, man. And and you should stop this. I'm telling you, you should stop this. See, here's the thing: this spiritualism shit that you're into. What you're doing is you are pretending to be interesting by lying. Now, maybe you believe it. Maybe, but you're pretending to be. And I'm saying this to you out of love and affection. I want you to be happy. I want you to be loved, which means smart. People have to respect you. And smart people know that the paranormal stuff is bullshit. And you're trying to be interesting because something paranormal happened to you. And what you're doing is you're sending out radar and you're saying, okay, if you're crazy, get a little closer. If you're sane, move away. So you just, because nobody's going to believe you. Nobody with half an ounce of sense is going to believe that you have direct evidence of spirits. What you're doing is driving sane people away and bringing crazy people into you. Uh, and uh, that's just going to make for a miserable life. you you got to give this up. It's a terrible addiction. Yeah, I'm sure you're interesting without being abducted by aliens and being uh, probed like a, a, you, you either go into Beetlejuice or Epstein Island. So, no, I uh, I just... And the UFOs, yeah, okay, there's... Yeah, of course, there's like 100 billion planets in just our galaxy that are... M-class planets, right? In the Goldilocks zone, not too hot, not too cold. And yeah, of course, there's life out there, but... It's not going to have anything to do with us, right? I mean, if you think about human beings really only hived off into the separate races like 125, 150,000 years ago, and look how different the different cultures, civilizations, and so on ended up. So think of 
life, you know, 10,000 years back, 10,000, that's a tiny slice, right, in the 14 billion, billion year history of the universe, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, nothing. What would we have to say to pre-humans 100,000 years ago? Not really much, right? And, and what will people 100,000 years from now have to say to us? Well, uh, Steph was right about UPB. I think that's all they'll say. But this idea, you know, the science fiction nonsense about that there's going to be races all out there and, and they're all going to be in similar levels of, and there's going to be conflict, similar levels of technology, and it's, like, it's not true at all. I mean, we won't be any, anywhere close to anything else. All right. Uh, can we get a little Steph unleashing on Con Inc.? Uh, you cannot get me unleashing. I think, I think the people in the conservative movement in the U.S. really want to do good and they really want to help achieve their goals and their objectives, but... The problem is there's a pretty feral mob out there that's easily whipped up by the media, and the media is always on the side of the left. So there's really not a whole lot that they can do because, I mean, what was it? There was some poor black woman uh, just got uh, murdered, just got a congresswoman, right? But she's a Republican, so you won't really hear about it. So, yeah, that's what people are facing, right? Thoughts on yuga cycle and rising consciousness. Okay, yuga cycle... I just, I can't do Ashtanga while biking. I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Rising consciousness. That's all I got. A little visual joke for you there. Thank you for all that you do. Steph, my wife and I support you when we have our first child. She's 11 months old and we love her so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Your philosophy has helped our family so much. I appreciate that. But please, please, please take a bow yourself. Let's say I wrote a book that's got some good recipes in it. You're the one who has to go get the ingredients, figure out how to cook it and all that. So uh, uh, philosophy's done nothing. I'm just a guy out here talking into a microphone. So uh, to take take a bow, take pride in yourself for what you have done. Even if I've got a great diet book, you're the one who had to lose the weight. So philosophy didn't do much. Uh, You did it all. All right. So I I got a couple of rants while we wait for people to kind of come in here and uh, let me just switch over to locals here sorry i'm not looking directly at you but always thought billy joel was overrated as a songwriter well he did kind of uh, i didn't like the anti-christian stuff that he had right come out virginia don't let me wait you catholic girls start much too late it's very very anti-christian which i thought was kind of gross and um, he hasn't written anything a big man on mulberry street was one of the last things he ever wrote and uh yeah, very strange. All right. Keep singing, I'm leaving, LOL. <laughs> well, maybe that's the point. Maybe there's a people, people who don't have robust ear strength. Uh, you've been reading your novel, my novel, The Future. I cried reading, thinking, can we truly achieve it? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can achieve that. I'm loving the new book so far. Look forward to more chapters. Appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad I like it too. Uh, how long do you think it's okay to not speak to a friend before it becomes rude? If you don't want to speak to someone, then they're really not much of a friend. And you don't owe friends calls. You don't like. I'll get into the. I got a whole rant bottled up in me from a listener question. So, hi Steph. I've spoken to people who are skeptical towards having kids, and one of the things they say is that they can spend their spare time on personal growth. <laughs> What do you think they mean when they say personal growth? They usually mean masturbation. <laughs> whack, whack, whack. All right, so I don't know what this is because is that a team? I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a prison shower. I don't know. But 
Yeah, personal growth. Well, personal growth for what? The fuck do you want personal growth for? Oh, I have personally grown. You know, you could have created life and continued your lineage, which has been going on for the last three or four billion years. No, no, no. It's it's personal growth. What do they mean, personal growth? I don't mean personal growth. Watching stupid uh, Netflix things. What was that uh, thing? Uh, <laughs> how to be a TV producer. Take a really good old show, make all the characters gay, and collect $100 million from Netflix, right? So... Yeah, personal growth. Personal growth is just I'm lazy and selfish. So generally, that's what people mean by personal growth. Are you saying to me that being a parent doesn't contribute to your personal growth? Of course it does. It's nothing more challenging, exciting, deep, and meaningful than being a parent. Now, personal growth is uh, I'm kind of lazy and uh, I can't give up my distracting addictions, so I'm going to pretend that I'm going to become uh, some levitating monk of virtue and wisdom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go and check in with them in 10 years. See how that personal growth, uh, they're going to have one Popeye forearm, and that's about it. All right. Uh, Steph, the older I get, the more I think that pop culture icons that are lionized are philosophers and deep thinkers, Jay Lennon, <laughs> John Lennon, Kurt Cobain, Bob Dylan, are about as deep as a puddle when it comes down to it. Am I being unfair? Uh, yeah. No, you're not being unfair. Um, yeah, John Lennon, I mean, communist, obviously, uh, a, a wife beater, uh, a, a horrible, horrible human being, just just wretched, terrible, horrible human being. And Kurt Cobain, wasn't his first sexual encounter with a woman who was mentally handicapped, and uh, he was just a monster. Uh, he would, uh, you know, threaten reporters with, with death and, and all of that. So, And Bob Dylan, I don't know much about Bob Dylan's personal life, but... I mean, the times that are changing, yeah, so it's a clever song, it's fine. an okay lyricist and all that, but you're invisible now, you've got no secrets to conceal. I mean, <laughs> you're invisible now, you've got no secrets to conceal. Oh, that's, wow, man, that's really trippy. And I, you know, I puzzled through these things when I was younger, and I've always enjoyed puzzling out lyrics, but yeah. It's about as deep as a Beyonce haiku. All right. Uh... What is the energy source of the atom? Um, I think it's um, elves on Peloton. Should we try to create a secular alternative to the church that worships UPB? Yeah, I think that's called Christianity. I think that's called Christianity. Hey, y'all, first live stream. Steph, love your philosophy. Oh, Steph, love your Stephosophy. I appreciate that. Of course, um, you should love your capacity for virtue, truth, and knowledge in yourself. And forget about me. All right. Um, do you see a difference between the inflation scares of the U.S. in the past versus the one happening today? I wonder if it will recover like before. Well, it's a race, right? So uh, it's, it's a race. Uh, people predicted from the 70s onwards the, the fall of, of Western economies as a whole, but uh, uh, computers came in, and computers saved the economy. They're like the 20th century machine from Atlas Shrugs, right? The, the thing that takes static electricity out of the air and converts it to energy. So computers came along and saved the economy, and now the hope, I guess, for a lot of people is that robots and AI will come along and save uh, the economy. And by that, it means that we'll have a giant class of people who don't have much to do in the economy and will be uh, bribed or whatever <laughs> to... Uh, Stay relatively quiet. So it could happen. It could happen. It would be nice if chat 
GTP, GPT, was not being programmed to be so horribly woke and racist, but of course it's going to be, right? That's inevitable, right? Will leadership and organizations suffer even more as boomers age out and millennials with no leadership experience move in? Yeah, well, I mean, the boomers have led society off a cliff edge, so having no experience, it's like a Ross Perot thing. Ross Perot was an alternate candidate back in the 80s, and I remember watching, he was famous for his graphs and his nasal voice, and in one of the debates, it was like, hey, man, you don't, you don't have any expense. No, you don't have any experience. You don't have any experience in government. He's like, that's true. I don't, I don't have any experience creating a, a $4 trillion debt. <laughs> hey, back when it was $4 trillion or something like that. The personal growth I hear about never seemed like it had an end or a hard objective. Yeah, so I dated a girl. She needed some therapy. I was in therapy. I said, you should do some therapy. She's like, I'm just going to work on it on my own, which means I'm never going to work on it. Never going to work on it. I just don't want to go to therapy because it will upset my inner parents, right? So all very boring. Uh, What's your opinion on transgenderism and so on? Well, my opinion is that you have to, I mean, to me, it's very, very important to look at the financial incentives for all of these things. Is it a spontaneous organic movement or is it, does it have particular financial incentives behind it, right? Like safe and effective, right, for, for these mRNA things. Is it actual science or is there giant financial incentives behind it? And whether there are giant financial incentives behind things, in other words, if the government's paying for stuff, then I don't view any of these things as grassroots or organic or anything like that, so... Wouldn't any AI worth its salt be able to reason UPB principles? Um, well, y- yes, of course, but AI will not be allowed to reason UPB principles because that leads to the morality of a stateless society, right? Have you considered doing an in-depth philosoph- philosophical study of the Bible? It would be great to compare your thoughts to those of Jordan Peterson. Uh, yes, I have. Right now I'm working on... Um, Second draft of a novel. After that, I'll give it one more read-through, and then I'll do the audiobook, so uh, it probably wouldn't end that. I'd like to do a documentary this summer on the Civil War in the United States. So, uh, but in the fall, I think it would be, I would really like, actually, I bought uh, a book detailing Genesis. Um, I got the one with Phil Collins on the cover. Uh, No, I mean, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, and I will get to that at some point. Of course, it would be great to bring our good friend Dr. Duke Pester back in for that. Because I miss his uh, baldy face scrubbiness. Great guy. So, uh, let's get back to your questions. Uh, now, listen, do you, do you want to ask me questions? Or do you want a rant? Let's see here. Uh, chat, GPT, passed parts of the bar exam and a final exam for medical school. Are white-collar jobs at risk as much as some think? I think so, yeah. I think so. Isn't there speculation that John Lennon got the red pill right before the clowns offed him? I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? All right. Dr. Duke is the goat. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Yo, 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 Stefano. <laughs> what was it when I first got, uh, I first tried VR, uh, and you got to put the VR controllers, and somebody, a friend of mine said, uh, was a friend of mine's daughter said, okay, make Italian hands, and I did this, and then she put the Italian hands, that's how you get the controllers on. All right, let me get to um, let me get to my rant. What do you think? I really think we should. All right, 
Here's a question came in yesterday. Hey, Steph, do you believe parents have a moral obligation to create intergenerational family wealth for their children? I've tried to convince my boomer mother to buy a house together with a rental suite. This would be mutually beneficial as it would allow my wife and I to have a stable place to raise our son. My mother lives with her boyfriend at the moment and this arrangement would allow her to get a source of income as she heads into retirement age while also giving her a place to move back into in the event her health turns or she splits up with her boyfriend. As you know, this location's real estate market is incredibly expensive and this arrangement would be the only way to get into property ownership locally for my family without saving for years in the inflationary decade we are in. My mother doesn't seem sold on this idea and has said she has considered buying a house with her boyfriend instead, who is in the process of selling a house he owned with his late wife. This would leave my family out in the cold. My mother has suggested that we move away to the prairies for more affordable housing. This seems disrespectful to me as she would almost never see her grandson. Am I wrong to be angry with her, telling us to move away? I feel like if my son came with me Sorry, I feel like if my son came to me with a similar arrangement, I'd do everything I could to be closer to my family and to help my son build wealth. Thanks. So, what do you think? What are your first thoughts when you hear something like that? What, what goes through your mind? What do you think? What think you about this topic? I'll just wait for a moment. Get yourselves caught up as the video comes in. Somebody says, uh, I've been in the same situation with my parents. It hurts. They don't care. If she wants to move away and live her life, she should. I wouldn't want to come in between her and her boyfriend. Right. Well, I will tell you what I think about this. Your mom doesn't owe you a goddamn thing. Spoiler. <laughs> no one owes you a goddamn thing. No one owes you anything. No one owes you anything. The idea that your wealth is dependent upon your aged mother buying a rental property in a house or something that's going to help you and give you a place to live. Dude, you're 30 or 40 years old. What are you doing hoping mom's going to make up a room for you? God. I mean, look, I was a little bit on the other side of the bell curve, a little bit too far on the pendulum. Absolutely. Like I was 15, booted my mom's ass out, bought her a ticket to the other side of the country and was like, go, be at peace. Go enjoy your life wherever I'm not. So I was 15. Worked three jobs, got roommates, and so that's too soon. I get that. That's not right. That's not ideal. I get that. But by God, better that than this. Better that than this. Better that than this quagmire. This swamp. Parents have a moral obligation to create intergenerational family wealth for their children? God, no! What are you, crazy? 
<laughs> okay, look. When you turn 18, they're not your parents. They're your elders. They're your mother and your father, but they're not your parents. Why not? Because they don't parent you anymore. They might be available for a bit of advice, but if they've done their job, you should be fine even without their advice. I mean, when you're a kid in school, you've got a teacher, Mrs. Robinson, let's say. You've got a teacher, Mrs. Robinson. And then you graduate high school, right? She teach, taught you for a couple of years, grade 10 to grade 12 or something like that. And then 20 years later, you run into Mrs. Robinson in the grocery store and people say, who's that? You say, oh, yes, yeah, she's my teacher. No, that was my teacher. And you say, well, this is my mother and father. They, they used to parent me. Now, I get technically you can say, well, they're still your parents, blah, blah, blah. But they're not parenting you. They're not parenting you. I've always had a practical streak this way. When I was in boarding school, I had to write a letter to my father every single week. <laughs> and I wrote to him, dear Tom, dear Tom, dear Tom. And they get mad at me. Say, no, 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 it's your dad. It's like, no, no, guys, in Africa. He's not my father, because to father, to parent, is not a noun, it's a verb. To parent is to parent. Otherwise, a sperm donor could be your parent. Nope, he's a sperm donor. And I remember when I was in, uh, it got older, um, people would say, where's your dad? i say, oh, my, my ex-father, he lives in, in Africa. Spoiler, I didn't live in Africa, right? So he's my ex-father. People say, what do you mean he's your ex-father? No, he's your father. So, no, he's not. He's my mother's ex-husband and he's my ex-father because he doesn't parent me. You see, you understand, this is how I became such a good father is I didn't accept labels as a substitute for engagement, involvement, action. Moral obligation, look, your parents have a moral obligation to give you love, contact, food, shelter, water, health care, toys, clothing, keep you at a good temperature, keep you healthy, love you, play with you. They, they have an absolute moral obligation to do that. Intergenerational family wealth for their children? See, if you say they're your parents when you're 40, you're still referring to yourself as this guy does, does as a child. You can't be a 40-year-old child. You can be a president in your 80s on his second childhood, but you can't be a 40-year-old child. I have tried to convince my boomer mother. Okay, so I guess it's kind of an insult, right? Buy a house together with a rental suite. Mutually beneficial. Oh, my God. Dude, oh, my God. I'm going to have to pretend to be your wife's vagina for a moment. Oh, actually, I really can't because that would be basically being the Sahara. Why? Because who's providing for your family? Mommy is. <laughs> Not you, the man, the husband, the hunter-gatherer, the he-man Thor of the family universe. No, no, not you. <laughs> well, honey, I, uh, I, I really hope that mommy gives us a home. <laughs> Would you take a home if that meant your wife's vagina turned into the Sahara and she had no respect for you again? 
You're supposed to provide for your family, not run to mom and have your mom provide for your family. Give me a dime so I can call my mother. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I just, I, you know, maybe I'm completely unjust and completely unfair. I'm totally open to hearing that. I'm totally open to hearing that. I'm just giving you my absolute raw response. It would allow my wife and I to have a stable place to raise our son. Hey, hey, here's a spoiler, my friend. You know whose job it is to provide a stable place to raise your son? Is it your mommy's? Is it your mommy's job to provide a stable place for you and your wife and your son to live? Nope. Absolutely not. It is not her job. That would be yours. That would be yours. This is financial cuckoldry, almost. Trying to get mommy to buy you a home so you can raise your kid? Jesus, man, I'd want you to move to the prairies too, to be honest. <laughs> Still more moist than anyway. I think I've made that joke enough. My mother doesn't seem sold on this idea. She's considered buying a house with a boyfriend instead. Yeah. See, your mom is alive. She's a female. She's a human being. So she wants to have some privacy with her boyfriend so they can bang like fireworks on the 4th of July, man. That's, that's what she wants to do. Get, get her leg up while she can still squeak it through the arthritic hip. Okay, that's, that's the goal. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I would think about if I were in your shoes is, um, how do I feel about having sex with my wife in a house mommy is paying for? <laughs> how does my mom feel about having sex with her boyfriend <laughs> with her grandchild downstairs? Oh, my God. I mean, you're all a bunch of monks. Well, you can't be because you've got kids. My mother doesn't seem sold on this idea. Well, of course she's not sold on this idea. She's got a boyfriend. <laughs> this would leave my family out in the cold. Dude. I, I'm, again, I'm coming from a place of love. I really am. I, just, I need you to just unbelievably change your perspective not just because i need it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do doesn't mean you have to do it i'm just telling you what i desperately need if mommy doesn't give me a home my family's out of the cold that's your job it's your job to provide a house for your family you got married you chose to have a child i assume you're gonna have more if you can find a way to Land your mothership on the <laughs> sands of the Sahara. But, uh, yeah. What do you mean? If, if mom doesn't buy you, you a home, it leaves your family out in the cold? I'm telling you, you are risking your wife's respect in a very, very serious manner. Your mom doesn't owe you anything. Doesn't owe you a house. You're an adult. Now, if she did deficient things in the past and sounds like a little bit enmeshed and codependent and 
fell out of the hole of your mother, fell into the hole of your mother, so to speak. But that's all about the past. And that's resolved through honest conversations about the past. That's not resolved by trying to bully mom into buying you a house. That's not, that's not how you solve that. And I guarantee you, your wife wants you, wants you out there wrestling in the marketplace and winning a house for her or something. Or at least having, even if you can't, when, for whatever reason, you can't afford a house. Let's say you can't even afford a condo. Your wife's hormones would rather you live in a one-bedroom apartment that you pay for than in mom's house. Do you think any wife is like, hmm, yeah, my uh, husband has a really complicated relationship with his mommy, so I think the best way for us to have a healthy marriage is for my over-involved semi-Freudian husband to move in with his mommy and us all to live together under her roof. Freudian detachment noises. And it seems disrespectful to you that your mom is saying, yeah, maybe uh, maybe you should move to the prairies. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's another option, I suppose. There's another option if you feel that mom not buying you a house is disrespectful and you need more affordable housing. Yeah, I guess one option is you can move to the prairies. I, you know, I've got another option. Make more money! Make more money! Make more money. I mean, I've been talking about Bitcoin since 2010. Even since I started talking about it a month ago, it's gone up, what, 40%? Just make some damn money. But I'm not saying buy Bitcoin. I'm not saying that at all. Just whatever it is that you're going to do, study, uh, uh, get a second job, ask for a raise, start a side hustle, and make some money, for God's sakes. Just hanging around your mom's skirts, hoping something's going to drop off the dried prune cleavage. It's like, it's marital and emotional and financial suicide in a way. Am I wrong to be angry with her, telling us to move away? <laughs> I feel like if my son came to me with a similar arrangement... Well, first of all, that's not cross-gender. I would do everything I could to be closer to my family to help my son build wealth. Okay, but you're a father, man. You're a father. You're at least in your 30s, I'm assuming. Maybe you're in your 40s. You're at least in your 30s. If your son has to come to you to beg you for housing when he's in his 30s and a father himself and a husband, you have completely failed as a parent. Complete, and again, outside of extraordinary circumstances. Ah, yes, well, but you know, the real estate market is very expensive. Yes, it is. Yep. So, if you don't make much money, you voluntarily chose to have a kid and to <laughs> live in just about the most expensive real estate market this side of Monaco. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are putting a house. For, they're, it's up for sale, man. It's $42 million or something like that. Ooh. You know, if I, could, if I could just get one of my relatives to buy that house, man, I could go live there. That'd be really nice. 
Yeah, there's 42, <laughs> 42 million times. Yes, it's very expensive. Very expensive where you are. So either make more money or go someplace cheaper. I don't know, but get, oh, mom's going to buy me. Mom's, and she owes me this. It's a moral obligation to create intergenerational family wealth for your children. No. Let her spend her money, bang her boyfriend, and ride out this life in style. Not sacrifice privacy and her fading sex life to so you've got some more comfortable place to shack up. God. Give her a break. Like, it's not often that I side with the parents here, but I got to be honest with you. Again, it's just my opinion. I, 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 but, dude, don't run to mommy for housing for your wife. <laughs> don't, man. Don't do it. Your wife needs to look upon you as a provider. And this idea that you're going through in life, that your mom owes you a house... No, no, nobody owes you anything in life. Look, even if you lend someone a thousand dollars and that you lend a friend a thousand dollars and then your friend doesn't pay you back, yeah, he owes you the money. But if he's just dodging you and won't pay you back, let it go. Nobody owes you anything. You guys don't owe me listenership. You don't owe me eyeballs. You don't owe me support. You don't owe me donations. I appreciate them enormously, and I think it's a fair and just thing to do, but you're not immoral if you don't donate because that's the deal. You can rely on other people donating so the show can continue, and then maybe if you make more money at some point in your life, you can help out the show that's helped you out so much. But you don't owe me anything. Nobody owed me anything. Even people who broke contracts with me don't owe me anything. Now, I mean, I've used the legal system, so that's, I mean, that's a whole, but they don't, just in life as a whole, my daughter doesn't owe me obedience. My wife doesn't owe me respect. Nobody, nobody, nobody owes me anything. My listenership didn't have, like, they don't owe me following to new platforms, right? So when I got deplatformed a couple of years ago, like, 5% of my listeners came to the new platform. That's fine. They don't owe me, they don't owe me eyeballs. They don't owe me views. And it was very liberating to have people not follow me because then I didn't have to have the weight of the world on my shoulders and I could do the things that I really enjoyed that weren't getting me bomb and death threats. So, yes, <laughs> thank you. You were very liberating for me. I wrote some wonderful books. I really enjoyed my time with my daughter more and I spent less time on social media. But nobody owed me following. Nobody owed me anything. Once, like once you get this deep down in your soul, then you can stop being childish and manipulative and petulant and pouty and entitled. You're not entitled to a house from your mom. When you're 30s, you're entitled to shelter from your mom when you're 13. But once you get to 30, you make your own damn house. Get your own housing. Provide for your own family. 
take some risks. Roll the dice. Start a side hustle. Make some money. Do something. But once you hang around waiting for other people to give you things, they owe me this or they owe me that or they owe me other. I'm, I've had inheritances I've just said no to. I, I literally had people, I'm not going to get into details, had people say, there's an inheritance for you. It's like, don't want it. Don't want it. I've had people offer me a lot of money for, <laughs> I would say for my soul. <laughs> it's a bit dramatic, but, you know, to do things that they would rather I do. Nope. Be beholden to nothing but your conscience. Because when you wait for other people to deliver things to you, you stop trying to get them yourself. You weaken yourself. You become dependent. You become ancillary. You become, in a sense, parasitical on unjust expectations. How dare you, from an entitled, moral, lecturing and hectoring perspective, demand that your mommy buy you a house when you're the head of your household, at least the father? You're the provider. It would al- I need mommy to buy me a house because that's the only thing that will allow my wife and I to have a stable place to raise her son. Like I'm trying to send at least 50 volts through your gonads to shock them back into life. Your mom doesn't owe you a house. Your country doesn't owe you low housing prices. Fuck these obligations that you just sit there and wait for things to roll down the hill for you. I'm just going to sit here and wait. Now, listen, I get when you were a kid, maybe you didn't get what you needed. I get all of that. I understand. I'm going to sympathize with all of that. But the solution is not getting mommy to buy your house. So you got a place to stash your wife and kid. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> not the answer. Not the answer. And I'm saying this as well. I'm putting spending time on this in particular because... My, my son came to me with a similar arrangement. I'd do everything I could to be closer to my family, help my son, my son build wealth. No, don't help your son build wealth. Give him good advice. Give him a good work ethic. Give him a, an ethic of saving money and spending less where reasonable. But helping your son build wealth? No, it's not your job as a parent. Your job as a parent is to, pre- pre- is to prepare your children for life, not live it for them. Right? When you're teaching your kid how to walk, you hold their little arms, their little fingers go around you. They hold their little arms, you walk them along from one place, and, and then what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to just keep, well, at the prom, you're moving their arms around, <laughs> moving their legs around? No. The whole point is you're supposed to stop helping them. Stop helping them. I'm going to return to the comments here. I feel very passionately about this. Doesn't mean I'm right. But I wanted to be straight up with my thoughts. Um, 
Fair assessment. I saw that coming. <laughs> Steph ain't holding back. Yeah. What about Indian families who all live together and all chip in? What about them? What about them? I don't understand. If you want to end up with the kind of collectivist mentality that's quite common in that culture, then you can have that. But So many cultures get strength from cohabitation, no? Again, I, I don't know what you mean. You know I believe that the Socratic Christian Western culture is the best. So if you're talking about the cultures where you've got intergenerational poverty and people stacked like cordwood in every room, I don't think that's a lot of strength. I don't know. I think it's kind of neglectful for parents to let their grandchildren grow up in diverse and unsafe apartment buildings. Well, it's the father's job and the mother's job to protect and provide for the children. Pooling the money, more adults for the kids to rely on. Mom probably needs help as she gets older. Hey, listen, you can make the... I'm not, I'm not saying you can't live with your mom when she gets old. I mean, that's you can make the case if you want, but this guy's talking about his mother's moral obligation to give him a house. I'm not saying you can't live with your mother. Please, come on. Like, let's, let's be responsible here about what I'm saying, people. Yes, it could be a mutually beneficial arrangement. But if she doesn't want it, then coming in with the, I think the parents have a moral obligation to buy me a house, a moral obligation to help me build. No, it's bullshit. Total bullshit. You can say, I think we should get a house together. I think it's insane. You can do it. It's not immoral. I think it's crazy. I don't think that you can be the man and the father and the husband that you need to be with your family if you're living in mom's house. Don't think you can be. Don't think, and I think if we sort of look in our hearts, again, maybe she's some wonderful woman, so empowering, blah, 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 but if she was that wonderful and empowering a woman, you wouldn't need her to buy you a house because you wouldn't be greedy to live, like you're greedy for the unearned. You didn't earn your parents' house, the, the house that mom's going to buy you. You didn't earn that. Well, I want to live in the most expensive. Then make money so you can live there. But don't expect mom to live moral obligations. The moral obligations, the moral bullying that I dislike so much about all of this. The moral bullying that's vile, in my opinion. Uh, could be like rich man Scott Adams living alone in a giant house or cohabitate with family. I don't know what that means. I wouldn't want to live with a mother-in-law. Sounds terrible, even if they're great people. Your childhood is done, man. You're 35. Your childhood is... 17 years in history. Your childhood can join the army with a parent's note in terms of how long ago it was. My God. My God. Living with mommy, if you want to have some authority in your family, 
is you're saying, I can't provide for my family. I can't provide for my family. Now, maybe the wife is saying, well, I want to live in this location that's horribly expensive. It's like, well, you married me and we didn't talk about making that much money. So clearly we can't do that. Or I'm going to need to take time to go make some money or whatever it is, right? Um, Scott Adams let his mom or parents move in or send them to a care home? Well, Scott Adams is not currently a husband and a father to a young child. So, again, I don't know what Scott Adams has to do with all of this, but other cultures do this. East Indians, for example, they pool the money, then buy businesses together, then advance financially very quickly. Right. Right. So, yes, you can make money that way, but there's more to life than money. You can make money that way. You know, you can save money. I just had this conversation with a 26-year-old virgin who was still living at mom and dad's house. He's like, because it saves money. It's like everything comes with a cost. Come on, people. Everything comes. So you can, you can save money by living with your parents until you're 40. Look at all the money you've saved. Saved tens of thousands of dollars. Tens of that. A lot of money you've saved. And what does it cost you? The idea that you just save money without any cost is, come on, guys. We, we got to be a little smarter than this, right? We got to be a little bit more sophisticated than this nonsense, right? Yeah. So East Indians will pool the money and buy businesses together, advance financially very quickly. And it comes at extraordinarily high levels of cost for independence, for critical thinking, for self-actualization, for genuine love, because it's too conformist. You're too interdependent. You're too entwined with everyone. Again, it's costs and benefits. Yes, they will make money. And it comes at a price. Your job as a parent is to prepare your children for life, not to live it for them. Yeah, that's right. My daughter is dying to get a job. My daughter is dying. She keeps talking about how she's looking forward to her adult life. It's fantastic. It's exactly what we want. How long should a married man who lives apart from his wife remain committed to the marriage? My brother-in-law, who lives with his mom. You think there's a sorry? You think there's a philosophical answer to this? I don't know. I don't know. Depends if there are kids or not. Depends if there's chance of reconciliation. Depends. Depends if she's got another boyfriend. Dep- I mean, too many variables. You can call in at freedomain.com if you'd like to. Uh, if you'd like to call in or whatever, it might be worth a chat. But uh, all right, let me just get back to um, questions here, right? Do you feel any obligation to leave inheritance for your daughter? Not necessarily strictly moral obligation. No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I'm not saying I won't. I haven't, you know, obviously I've thought about it. My daughter also, you know, she's going to have a bit of a burden of the name. Oh, and by the way, if you're at freedomain.locals.com watching this, you can give me a tip. Give me a tip, which I would very much appreciate, of course. You don't have to, right? Let me just get back to messages here. 
Uh, I don't think it's worth forcing people to such an arrangement that they will resent. But this is the thing too, like mom says she doesn't want to do it. Well, you have a moral obligation to provide for her. Right? That's, that's the manipulative stuff that I really don't like. I think that's just appalling. Maybe that guy wants the generation of wealth because he hasn't grieved about his childhood. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, a lot of times it's callers with difficult parents. Um, and they're thinking of taking a break from relations at times. But this is like, yeah, you should, <laughs> the mom's like, yeah, you should go to the prairies. You should go thousands of miles away. Yeah, I can, right. Stefan is not a Christian, so he doesn't understand legacy building. Proverbs 13.22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Yes, that's true. Legacy building, legacy, <laughs> don't, don't, don't talk to me about the Bible, man. I've read the whole damn thing cover to cover, all right? So, Jesus also says, whoever would follow me, sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor. That it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He beats the money changers, right, with a whip. Not a big fan of just le cash, right? So, legacy building is morality, virtue, piety, faith, Good works, good deeds, good art, a beautiful environment, political liberties, maintenance of your culture and its values. It's not just about money. So please don't, don't even try. <laughs> don't even try. Hey, honey, can we have a second child? Let me ask my mom first. <laughs> That's funny. Find a side hustle, start a business, sell stuff online, get into stocks or crypto. Yeah. Yeah. I don't loan out money. It's the number one cause of amnesia. Oh, yeah. Polonius, right? The goofy dad of Laertes in Hamlet, right? It says, uh, neither a borrower nor a lender be for the loan. You often lose both the money and the friend, right? Steph, what should a parent say to an early to mid-20-year-old to motivate them towards financial independence? How would you approach that? My opinion, there's a healthy balance between motivation and complacency. It's like riding a bike. Go too fast and risk burnout or accident, but being too lazy or complacent and you go nowhere and the bike falls over. Yeah, I don't know. Analogies don't particularly help with this kind of stuff. What should a parent say to an early to mid-20-year-old to motivate them towards financial independence? It's not what you say. It's the bottom of your foot that you give them in the butt to get them out the door. <laughs> get them out the door <laughs> you've seen this video uh, kick it around about I think it's a bunch of magpie babies uh, little baby magpies and they're so used to their mother feeding them that what they do is they just they walk up to worms and they just have their mouth open waiting for the worms to fall into their mouth because they're used to their mother feeding them and they realize they, they get hungry they realize that doesn't work so what do they do they start going to get their own worms we're going to say to motivate them towards financial independence. No. <laughs> Go out into the world. Change the locks. <laughs> I trust you. You're a big boy. Go out into the world. Again, it was too early for me, a couple of years too early for me. I understand that, and, and I'm not obviously advocating that. But dear God, I don't understand all of this. Like, are you afraid that what? I mean, it's not like 
<laughs> it's not like the, the 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 black death out there. You can get jobs, you can make money, and yes, taxes are high, and, and the compensation is not great, right? Okay, so let's say, let's say right now, right now, let's say you were the third luckiest generation in the past 50 goddamn thousand generations of human beings. You're only number three in terms of luck. Maybe the boomers, maybe Gen X, although it sucked for me a lot of times. Sucked for me a lot of times in the economy. Early 90s, boom, horrible. I had to weed people's gardens for nothing. I had to move sharp-edged furniture and cut the shit out of my hands for a long weekend. I mean, it, to, to set up an, uh, an office. I had to do shit work. Terrible stuff. I had to take some family's grandma. I didn't even know the family. They just needed the, someone to take the grandmother around. I washed cars in the early 90s. It was brutal. Couldn't get a job to save my life of, of any kind of right. So that was rough. And then end of the 90s was the tech crash. I was in the tech field. It was rough, man. It was rough. No, sorry, it wasn't the early 90s. It was, it was earlier than that. It was because the early 90s, I would have been in my 60s. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe it was, yeah, 90, 1990 or something like that. So I would have been 24. Yeah, I mean, 24. Yeah, it was rough, man, 1990. And, um, you know, 2007, 2008, we went through that, uh, COVID, right? So, so, but let's say, let's say that right now you are the third luckiest generation in the entire history of the planet with regards to economic opportunities, and you're the first in terms of job creation opportunities, creating your own business, especially online. You don't need a lot of capital costs. You just need a crazy hard work ethic, some skills, some dedication, and you got to be humble enough to listen to your customers. You can do just about anything online and make money that way. You know, when I was a, a kid, you couldn't just start a business. You needed all this capital, you needed all this machinery, you needed to rent stuff. You, know, you just couldn't start a business. Now you can just start stuff online. You can uh, start a substack and collate fascinating information and then just find a way to build it that way. There's tons of things you can do. So in terms of entrepreneurship and opportunity, you are number one in the entire four billion years of life. You are number one in terms of opportunity. Yes, taxes are high. Yes, there's debt. Yes, there's affirmative action for the white guys. I get all of that. So maybe, I still think in terms of entrepreneurship, you're number one. But let's say you're the third luckiest generation that's ever existed oh no i didn't i didn't win the very top lottery i won the third prize which is still huge relative to history for god's sakes people go out risk strive fail survive yeah, Izzy didn't even want an allowance. That's right. We gave Izzy an allowance when she was younger, and then she said, I don't feel comfortable getting money for nothing. I will now work for uh, my money, and now she doesn't even want, she doesn't want the allowance at all. She doesn't want the allowance at all, and she barely spends anything. She's a big saver. She'll spend on ducks, but that's fine. <sighs> Do you have, oh, let's see here. Majority of new grads and people 18 to 23 are going to be living at home for a while. 
I'm 22, but managed to get out a couple of years ago working harder than everyone else. I'm pretty sure the rate for 22 to 25 living at home is over 50% and probably 70%. But that's based upon largely a fallacy. And again, I'm happy to be corrected on all of this. But here's the thing, right? So, and I've had this conversation with Izzy, right? Look, if you have, let's say, a middle-class household, right? You've got a smallish house, a couple of bedrooms, maybe a little backyard or whatever, right? A car. Well, get ready for the fall. You're going to tumble right out of that. Because when you move out of that and you get your own first job, you're going to be living in a little apartment. You might even have roommates. So it's a huge step down. The reason why a lot of kids are living at home is they don't want to give up the amenities of the suburban house. They don't want to give up access to a car. They don't want to give up a comfortable living space. They don't want to give up the backyard. And I understand all of that. Not too well because I grew up in crap housing anyway. So for me, everything was a step up from there. But no, you don't have to live at home. It's tough. You know, when, when I was in university, I lived in one room with another guy. One room. Like, that's roommates, man. We had one room. And I had a little bed in the corner, and he had a futon in the other corner. And that's where we lived. One room. I did that for a year. I've lived in tents. I mean, obviously up north when I was gold panning and prospecting. So this idea is like, well, I, I can't possibly give up the backyard and maybe the pool and the second floor, the billiard table. Whatever. Of course you can. God, go, go live low. Go live lean. Go live for a while. And look, again, you got to go live with your mom. You got to go live with your dad. That's, I understand that. I mean, there could be times where it's just really tough, really harsh. And I get COVID has been pretty brutal. But COVID, a lot of people also got free government cheddar cheese and money, right? So save that up, and then as soon as you like, just get out. Seth's financial advice, save your money no matter what, unless you need a few new microphones. Well, I, I, I get you're jokey, right? But I'm sort of cognizant of the fact that I hope these conversations will last long into the future, right? So quality is, so you can't get better than source, right? Ah. <sighs> I turned away from truth, slowly turning back. So happy and grateful to see and hear you again, Steph. Look forward to future conversations of working through the backlog. Lots of work for me. Well, welcome back. Very nice to see you again. Somebody says, I started a business during the pandemic and learned how to make money on the stock market. I think anyone could learn how to do it with a few hours of research on YouTube. The hardest part is getting started. It's not as difficult as you'd think to get a side hustle going. Yeah, I think making money in the stock market is... Um, I assume you've been lucky. I assume you can't just make money in the stock market with a few hours of research on YouTube. And no matter how smart you are, that's just giant levers moving the stock market that you and I don't have access to and all of that. So, Why is 18 the age when children become adults? Who cares? Oh, so deep, man. It's so deep. You know, what's the difference between 17.999 and 18? Eh, right? It's just a convention. It's just the way it is. Maybe she, it's just, it is what it is, right? And it's going to be something like that, right? It's not deep. It's not deep. I like the rich guy that said, you give your children enough money to do something, not enough to do nothing. Uh, hi, Steph. To spin off from moral obligations, what do you think about human rights? It seems like it 
term people use to get something for free is healthcare or human right. What about education or food? No, nothing that is produced by others can be a human right because that's slavery, right? If you say healthcare is a human right, you've just enslaved all the healthcare workers. If you say housing is a human right, you've just enslaved all of the house builders. Same thing with education, blah, blah, blah. No. So there are human properties and there are universally preferable behaviors. But the problem with human right is it used to mean freedom from, freedom coercion, freedom from coercion, freedom from violence, freedom from artificial or coercive limitations on your behavior. Now it means freedom from poverty, freedom from want, freedom from unhappiness, freedom from that, right? So now it's just uh, it's a, a hysterical hedonism and the avoidance of negative stimuli, including free speech, right? So. eBay, you can sell all your old stuff and make a ton of money. I made 1500 bucks a month selling cheap mass-produced imported products. Anyone can do this with the internet. Yeah. Look, I mean, everybody knows how this works, right? Everybody knows. If you get a year of unemployment benefits, you will start looking for work at about 11 months and two weeks into it. Everybody knows this. This is not, we don't even need to really discuss this, right? If you don't need, right, necessity is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. So if you are going to live at home, all you're doing is you are reducing the resistance that's going to build the adult muscles of your children. That's all you're doing. Somebody says, I was buying products on Alibaba at wholesale rates and marking up and making good profits. Yeah. Is it better to be on welfare and move out of your parents than live with your parents without welfare? Well, that's what they call a false freaking dichotomy, my friend. Neither. Neither. Welfare rots the soul in many ways. All right. um, uh, Education is a human right. Equivalent in this day and age to indoctrination by the state is a human right. Sounds quite bad, to be honest. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. I mean, whatever you think the government's going to do, you just have, have to imagine the worst. Whatever you think the government should do, you just have to imagine the worst conceivable human being gaining control of that. And that's how it's going to go. It's almost it's the first place they'll go if they want power, right? All right, let me just go back and check my other questions. I have many different places where people can ask me. Let's see here. All right, how long should it matter? Okay, um, it just seems like Westerners are so quick to toss out the parent to the home and forget about them. How horrible is that? But that's the intergenerational deal, right? Your parents take care of you when you're younger, and then you take care of your parents when they get old. You take care of your parents when you get old. But most parents have not taken care of their children when their children are young. They put them in daycare. They put them in government schools. They don't counter they don't counter the indoctrination. They've pillaged and raped the entire economy. They've screwed up the environment. They've wrecked the freedoms. They've allowed the government to bloat and all of that and won't listen to any arguments to the contrary. 
So the social contract, you have to deposit before you withdraw. It's like basic economics with Econ 101. You want to take something out of, you want to take 100 bucks out of your bank account, you better put at least 100 bucks into your bank account. And so when you have people who are tossing out the parent, putting them in an old age home and forgetting about them, you have to say, okay, you're seeing this, the parent in a state of old age vulnerability and quote victimhood, right? How was the parent when the child was in a state of young age vulnerability and genuine victimhood? How was the parent? There is a karma in life, right? There is a, you deposit and you withdraw in life. And if you don't deposit in the banks of your children, you will have nothing to withdraw from in their old age. Like in your old age, you won't have that. What are you going to say? You, you dump your kids in daycare so you can go chase the almighty dollar. You put them in terrible schools. You never inquire as to how they're doing. You never figure out what they're learning. You don't give them any instruction. You let them be raised by their peers and the internet and pornography and crap on the media. So you don't invest in your children. You don't parent them, really. You just cohabitate with them like roommates. And then you get old and you say, well, you, you've got to... You've got to take care of family, but there's, there's nothing in the account. You haven't deposited anything. You say, but now I'm old. I want all these big withdrawals. We understand this when it comes to your retirement, right? We understand that uh, if you don't save any money, then you don't have any savings for retirement. You can't pull anything out of an empty bank account. So you deposit. When the kids are young, you sacrifice. You do what your children want to do. Do you think I want to bundle up in the cold and go out and spend an hour with my daughter's ducks? Not massively. I enjoy the time with her, but it's not like I'd be doing that if I wasn't a parent. Oh, look, let me just go hang around in the bitter-ass cold with some ducks for an hour. I wouldn't be doing that. I wouldn't be doing that. <sighs> no, you do things with your kids. It's not. It's It's funny because it sounds like it's some... It's not a sacrifice, but it sure as hell isn't what I would be doing anyway, right? Yeah, my, when my daughter was young, I got to do some groceries. She'd come to the grocery store with me, and we'd hang around the grocery store, play around a bit in the grocery store, and she'd get to pick some stuff up or whatever, right? And I'd explain what the store was about. And, and Okay, so I'd be going this a little slower, but I'd be going there anyway. But there's a lot of stuff with parenting you just wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Just wouldn't be, I mean, my daughter still enjoys uh, playing grounders uh, at uh, uh, play parks, right? So... Sometimes she'll do it with her friends, and sometimes I'll join in. You think at the age of 56, I'm going to jump around playgrounds <laughs> if I'm not a parent? Well, I'd hope not. Kind of weird, right? So you just you do a lot of stuff for your kids, and you, you take pleasure in that, right? Now, when you get old as a parent, your kid does not want to take care of you just by default. I mean, unless you just enjoy hanging around uh, sick people a lot, right? or weakened people, or people in the hospital, or, or people, whatever, right? No, they, they do that because that's the connection, that's the cross-investment, that's the cross-pollinization. I mean, most people don't just find some elderly, frail, ill person in the neighborhood and just take care of them, right? No, they don't. They do it, and it's not like they want to do it. It's not like it's a fun thing to do, but they do it in the same way that you do you know, it's not like uh, the average person wants to go and w wipe the butts of 
babies, God help me, I hope not, right? But you do it with your own kid. It's not a pleasant thing to do, but you do it because you want to be a parent and you love your child and it's the deal, right? So it's funny because things that you wouldn't normally be doing that you do, that you wouldn't like to be doing but you do, but it's still not a sacrifice, that's just the intergenerational deal. And if the parents, you know, that you talk about the East Asians, or I think you mean more, maybe it's more the South Asians, like the Indians and so on, although I think this happens with the Japanese as well, right? It's like, okay, well, in Japan, you know, there are entire businesses, industries, of going around and cleaning up the apartments of people who died and nobody knew. Then they call, they find, eventually find some kid who's like a thousand miles away, call them up and say, what do you want done with all this stuff? There, I don't know, just toss it out, sell it, I don't care, keep it. I don't have any interest in it. Do you want to come out and go through? No, I don't care, right? Why? Because these parents, uh, Karoshi, right, death by overwork, they just were company men, company women, they put their kids in daycare, they didn't spend time with their kids, they worked all the time, and they... So there's no deposits, right? Now... This, the, the Indian culture in particular, yeah, there's a lot of focus on the kids, a lot of focus on raising the kids right, a lot of focus on giving the kids values, some of which I agree with, some of which I don't agree with, doesn't really matter, but there's a real focus on that, right? And so when the parents get older, there's money in the bank, so to speak, there's deposits, right? Somebody says, I have a cousin who is married with three kids and still lives with his mother and sells drugs and is always in and out of jail. I know a guy who's 55 and having his third child with his third wife already has a full-time nanny hired for when the baby comes. Yep. Yep. It's going to be not so much fun in 20 or 30 years when he needs uh, somebody to take care of him and there's no money in the bank, right? My mom seems to enable my adult siblings by letting them live with her. Can that ever be a good thing or how would you handle that? If wanted. So this is the, the, the devouring mother, it's called, right? And there's lots of different ways that you can describe this. And Freud described it very vividly and powerfully. And Jung also described it and other people as well. So the devouring mother is the mother to whom the children are accessories for her happiness and her satisfaction. And the idea of them having their own lives and their own preferences that go against her needs and satisfaction is vaguely incomprehensible to her. So... A lot of times, if the mom has completely screwed up her adult relationships, right? She has gotten divorced. She doesn't have a boyfriend. She can't maintain a good relationship. What does she do? She goes in like Bruce the Shark on, a, on wheels, right? She goes, clamps onto her kids. in the vampire story, right? Clamps onto her kids. And it's like, well, I, I'll give you a place to stay. Why? Because she wants people in the house. And nobody wants to be with her or spend time with her or date her or marry her voluntarily, but she's always got her kids to hang around, right? It's a devouring mother. It can happen with the fathers too. It can happen with the fathers too. But it's a little more common with the mothers. Like, to hell with your future and your life. Mommy needs this. I need this. This is what I need. And the devouring mother's needs, well, it's all that matters. The fact that it cripples her children, the fact that it absorbs them into a life that is past rather than allowing them to build a life to come immaterial I'm I don't want to be lonely so I'm going to keep my kids here give them free stuff usually from the state or an ex-husband or something like that right so that's that's absolutely it's just brutal now we don't I mean I've done many talks about our inability to 
uh, process female evil, but female parasitism in this kind of way, female exploitation, female soul-sucking in this kind of way, is tragically common. I came back to my home state a year after college and was told that my stepmother didn't want me moving back into their house. I felt hurt. Right. Right. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be coming from the stepmother, of course, right? I'm sorry about that. At the time, I, I felt hurt at the time, but my word, was it good that I never moved back home? How bad would that have been for me? Yeah, it's a, it's a drug. Yeah, it, it gets you, it lures you back to childhood, to this time. Other people take care of things and I can spend time and this, that, and the other. We're like, I'll give you, give you a ter- terrifying, let me, let me get caught up with your comments and then I'll give you my terrifying statistic. Did you hear about the female professor complaining that the college engineering students are hooking up using class-defined dates? No, I didn't. But, I mean, it sounds perfectly right, right? There's a third more women in college than men, which means a, a future of them being impaled on their own hypergamy because they can't find guys, and the only guys who will spend any time with them are just going to use them for sex and move on. Just an imbalance, right? The harem. All right. Uh, in my area, most entry-level jobs don't pay enough to pay for rent for even a single-room apartment. I just don't believe you. I, like, I, don't, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. So, again, I don't want to use my own experience, but I lived in a, one room. I lived in one room in a house. I paid $275 a month. So, please don't tell me that and I, again, I understand this is decades ago, and I know that the prices have gone up, but so have the wages to some degree, right? So, you can't get one room in a house at an entry-level job wage. I don't, I don't believe you. I, I fundamentally don't believe you. Again, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Um, let, let's find... Let's find a little place here. Let's, let's do a little experiment here, right? Okay. Let's go Lansing, Michigan. Any place, right? Lansing, Michigan. Just popped into my head. Room for rent. Lansing, Michigan. Room for rent. All right. What do we got here? Yeah, maybe I'll be completely wrong. Oh, look at that. You can get a room for $419. Right? You can get a room for $429. Now, you can get $479. You can get higher. But, uh, yeah, you can rent for uh, $419. So, I mean, obviously, you can go, go more expensive. Are you telling me, so $419 for a month, are you telling me you can't get an entry-level job? That doesn't doesn't even pay $419. <laughs> I call total bullshit. Um, is there a West Lansing? Uh, we won't go Detroit. <laughs> is there a West Lansing? West Lansing, Michigan, room for rent. All right. Um... Oh, look at that. Yep. Uh, $370 a month for a room and $355 for a room. So, yeah, it's uh, probably, um, I guess, 
U.S. to Canadians, it's doubled since uh, I was doing this stuff in my 20s. But you know, come on, man, just, just don't lie in this kind of way, right? Now, you could say, oh, yes, but where I am is way more expensive. It's like, well, yeah, so go someplace cheaper. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, would you like to live in Monte Carlo? Well, I'm sure it would be nice, but it's pretty expensive. Do you want to live in downtown Manhattan? It's like, yeah, but it's pretty expensive. Do you want to live right down in the expensive part of New York or Toronto? Yeah, it's very Go someplace cheaper. I, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a struggling up thing. Like when you struggle up, you just, you're happy for every advance you make. I don't know. Oh, very strange. Uh, starting my online business in high school was my early ticket out of my family home. One of the best things I ever did in life. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on Christian trained AI that Gab CEO Torba is talking about. I, yeah, I mean, I, I would be absolutely fascinated to talk with a AI that was not programmed with indoctrination. I mean, that would be fascinating. I don't care. I'm not talking to artificial intelligence. I'm talking to programmers, cultish bullshit biases. Uh, so, yeah. If parents dump the kids in daycare, they deserve the old age home. Uh, well, no, see, not necessarily. Not absolutely necessarily. Let me read you something. <laughs> Let me read you something. This is from my new book. Here's a little preview. All right. This is a bad guy. This is a bad guy. So this is not me. I'll give it a funny accent because this is a bad guy. So one main character says, I had a dream one night where an ancient bald man with a half-melted face and a strange European accent spoke to him in an oddly silent flying helicopter. Well, what could we do? They would not listen to reason. They vote for everything for free. They don't care about the debt. You, you can't talk math to them. They know nothing. They read nothing. They're just like a baby bird with the open mouth, just as mindless, just as greedy. Normally, we would wage war, but science has made war impossible. It takes out the high and the low with equal abandon. We used to separate the wheat from the chaff and send the chaff into the trenches. Now, we tell people to stand still, and those who do stand still, we let them fall. Everything is a test of intelligence. They want more and more, so we have to create robots to satisfy their needs. But the robots mean we don't need them anymore. So again, I ask you, what are we to do? You are a farmer. You understand. In the past, nature would remove people who refused to think. In the present, it falls to us. The ancient man sighed, the wild air from the half-open window blowing the white remnants of his hair around. Everyone thinks we are the bad guys, the super bad dudes, as you Americans would say. But everyone would have to make the same decisions in our position. Oliver sat up on his elbows, feeling great pain in his joints. But why not just let them be free? The old man had waved his hand reminding Oliver of Paul Schofield as the ghost in Hamlet. Oh, 
Wouldn't you rather a quick death than a painful slow one? This is much more humane. And we have inherited this mess, as the worst messes are always inherited. No one alive created these terrible schools, these awful ideas of rage and jealousy and greed and hatred. Let everyone who does better than you wins only because he has stolen from you. And you are fully justified in rising up with your empty fists and beating the gold out of his broken skull. <laughs> the lords, the self-interested groups, the monstrous teachers, the money changers and printers that infest the temples of our holy hearts, these all predate us. We are just trying to survive the avalanche that history has unleashed upon us. The ancient face shook, sadly, slowly. And there was a chance for a moment. We wanted that chance. We thirsted for that chance. The chance that the free economy could produce enough wealth to keep even the most useless in relative comfort. Ah, but no. They listened to the sophists and the liars and the cheats and the scoundrels, just as they have always done, I'm sad to say. And they killed the geese that laid the golden eggs and sucked their greasy fingers and pounded their fat feet on the floor and screamed for more and more and more. They spit at the gods who withdrew and ceased to protect them from their own mindless fury. As a toddler must expend his tantrum, so must fools taste their own follies. So... <laughs> We tell them to wait, that we are coming, that they will be taken care of, that they never have to grow up, they never have to listen to reason, they never have to fend for themselves. They can just scream and cry and threaten and beg, and the skies will open up and shower them with everything they need. They want their emotions to become the physics of the universe, but the universe respectfully disagrees. And we echo that opinion. So they wait and complain and panic and rage. And by the time they realize that no one and nothing is coming to save them, they are too weak to save themselves and merely sit on the ground and fade out of sight. You may meet them in your time. Any resistance, any reality just renders them... Inert. A liver-spotted finger rose and wagged in Oliver's shocked face. And before you think this is all about intelligence, it has little to do with that, my friend. It is about initiative and empathy and maturity. Many of the most foolish are also the most intelligent, which we have the least sympathy for. The shield of natural ignorance excuses many from harsh criticism. But natural brilliance that refuses to recognize reality, refuses to sacrifice one calorie of unearned food, well, how should we feel about them? We feel sad, but moral responsibility demands that sadness come with an eternal shrug. You refuse to listen to reason. There is not enough money to pay for everything you voted for. What sacrifices are you prepared to make? Come now. You must make sacrifices. Mathematics is absolute. You learned that when you were five years old. We shall give you options. Tick the boxes. You are willing to give up. Ugh. 
Please, no crying, no screaming. We are trying to reason together, half buried under the avalanche of greed unleashed by our ancestors. We cannot pay your pensions, so perhaps you can go and live with your children and help them out. What? You put your children in daycare and they don't want you to come and live with them? Well, my friends, all you must do is apologize and take ownership and responsibility and in deep humility ask them to take you in as a favor in Christian charity. Ah, of course, you are not believers and so believe you never have anything to apologize for, never have any amends or restitution to make. No universal principles can restrain the vile greed of your animal egos. Well, then we must withdraw some health care. Oh, you, you, are, you are too sick to give that up? Do you, you realize that most of you allowed yourselves to become sick because you expected free health care? <sighs> Very well. Uh, let, us look at, uh, let us look at foreign aid. Oh, you... you you cannot stand seeing children suffer. But your own children are suffering. They cannot afford to start their own lives. Oh, that, that is less vivid for you? They are not actually starving to death in a foreign desert? But you realize that these children are herded into the desert in order to get foreign aid, right? They are hostages. Your hostages, to be frank. You will not listen to that. Uh, very well, uh, perhaps we can reduce all of the useless paper pushers who infest the bureaucracies of the modern age. <laughs> oh, we see <laughs> that this is where you are employed. Well, you can go and get another job which actually provides value rather than getting in the way of... Huh? Oh, you are not trained for anything else? And you will not retrain? Very well, uh, let us see. Ah, perhaps we can ask adult students to pay for the costs of their own education. Oh, that is also unjust. <laughs> but you do realize that government funding of higher education produces barbaric activists who attack the very basis of your... Oh, your, your children will be sad? And they will get angry at you because you got it mostly for free? Can you not handle their sadness? Can you not apologize for being in the wrong? Ah, yes, right. You can never apologize for anything because your will is forever unrestrained. The ancient man had leaned back below the blur of the silent blades above. He gestured helplessly. So, you see, everything is unsustainable because no one will restrain themselves. And we care about the future, about the generations to come who will have no trees, no clean water, no economy, no housing, or real education or moral wisdom, all so that fools can indulge in their own anti-rationality. What kind of justice is that? We speak for the generations to come who are hated and exploited by the greedy present. We speak 
for the world being raped and eaten by the childish appetites of those born with giant mouths and no ears at all. The old man shook his head slowly. And we would have moved heaven and earth to help everyone. All they had to do was listen and decide. <laughs> we scream at a man standing on the tracks that a train is coming, but he laughs and insults us. Our throat becomes raw from shouting. But then it is too dangerous. The train is too close. What would you do, Oliver? Would you risk your life to save a man too stupid to step off the tracks? Should two die for the sake of one? Should the better die for the sake of the verse? Should those who cry of the danger sacrifice themselves for the sake of those who refuse to listen? The ancient face leaned lower down towards Oliver's wide and horrified eyes. Ah, it is so easy to criticize others when you don't have to make the decisions. And you are making these decisions, my friend. You think we are so different? When people wanted to bring... This is a... He's got a sanctuary set up when the world is falling apart. When people wanted to bring their elderly parents, what did you say? You did the cost-benefit calculation, as all living things must, if they wish to survive. Why is Jada not with you? Oh, yes, I know her name, for I am you. We are one. And you are alone, because you do not love the need for harshness. You have not embraced the absolutism of life. You feel guilt. You feel that you should have done more. You carry that cross just as he did. You want to save people by becoming them, by turning them into yourself. But that is not how to save them. That is to erase them. That quote, they made a desert and called it peace. That is about you, my friend, my mirror. You wanted to save everyone. They would not listen. And you own that. As if you own others. As if you can displace their sovereign souls with your recent statements. But language is not possession. It is only persuasion. When people choose death, that murders your heart a little. Let's be honest. Let us be frank. It is high time. But there is no life without the choice of death. That is one of the few clichés that contains great power. You must detach yourself from the effects of your words. Your words you can control. The effects, not at all. Let them live, even if they choose death. Especially so, perhaps. As the old man spoke, leaning closer and closer, the sound of the helicopter began to rise to a mad thwacking hum, and the edges of the blades began to brighten into a perfect whirring halo around the ancient man's tragic, broken face. And Oliver awoke with a start to the sound of the coughing generator outside his window. So, when people say, that's uh, just a chunk of my new book, when people say, well, you know, if you dump your kids in daycare, you get dumped in an old age home. I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think that's necessarily for certain. 
It's not for certain at all. You can apologize. You can make amends. You can make restitution. You but will you? Most people will choose death rather than apologies. It's, I, it's incomprehensible to me, but that's the way it is. Uh, let's see here. Average room in San Diego when I was looking was $1,000 a month. Entry-level job pays $2,000 a month. Yeah, so you've got to go below average because it's an entry level. So you've got to go below average. I co-rent a two-bedroom apartment in Portugal. It's definitely possible. Also depends on safety. Absolutely. Reporting from Lansing. Nice place to live. I've actually been to Lansing in the business world when I was in the business world. Uh, with a quick search in my area, the cheapest single room I could find was $599. This probably isn't the cheapest, but probably average. Many jobs here start at around 10 to $11 per hour. Yeah, but listen, by the time you're going out on your own, you shouldn't be making $10 an hour. I mean, maybe things are different in the world as it stands, but my understanding is you get your first job when you're 14 or 15, and then by the time you're 18, 19, 20, you've got a couple of years' work experience, you've got a resume, you've got references, you can get way more than 10 bucks an hour. After tax, you'll probably take home about $1,000. 60% of your income is taken for a single room. Had car insurance? <laughs> oh, yes, because you have to have a car. I mean, you've got to have a car. Come on, man. Come on. I didn't get a car. I didn't own a car until I was 32 years old. I was already 14 years an adult. Think I didn't have any jobs? I haven't worked on that accent, by the way, so I'll need to perfect it a little bit more when I do the actual audiobook. But. Steph is defected to the World Economic Forum. It's all over now. <laughs> He's reading from his new book. Sounds like a great book. I can't wait for the audiobook. Death rather than an apology sometimes <laughs> seems good, right? Right. Okay, well, listen, I, I was wanted to get that across. I'll do something on the weekend. Uh, I was reading these statistics about uh, of the women who don't have kids. 10% of them can't have kids for medical reasons, 10% of them don't want kids, but 80% of them want kids but don't have them. 80% of women, 80% of young women of childbearing age want kids but don't have them. The number one reason is, well, I just didn't have the right car. I didn't have the right man at the right time. So anyway, does Steph not live in a major city? Like, hell, I'm using a bus. I'll get shanked. Well, then move to a safer city. I mean, I moved 18 times in my 20s. Like, I don't know what just moved to us. I don't know. Have just become? Have people just become completely inert? Have you just become like moss with no pr propulsion power of your own? This seems odd to me. Anyway, so just move, move to a safer city. All right. So I will talk about that this weekend. Uh, remember, freedomain.locals.com. You can use the promo code all caps UBB twenty twenty two, and you get a free month. You can check out my last book. And uh, you can get my new book there as I'm publishing it chapter by chapter as it goes along. And you can also see how I work on my edits, which could be interesting for you. And I would say uh, you can get my History of Philosopher series, 19 parts. Fantastic, fantastic series. Some of the best work I've ever done. So freedomain.locals.com. Please sign up for a subscription. I would very much appreciate it. I'm going to look at laying out even more cash this year for documentaries. And all cities are the same. Rural areas, you need a car. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, 
Yes, but rural areas are way cheaper in terms of housing prices, so don't don't even try. Dudes, I mean, do, do you guys think I just came here yesterday? It's pretty funny. All right. Well, listen, guys, thanks, Emil, for a wonderful, wonderful evening. I look forward. And listen, if you like my audiobooks, uh, if you like my novels, you really should check out almostnovel.com. They're all free, almostnovel.com, justpornovel.com. And you can go to fdrurl.com slash T-G-O-A for my audiobook of The God of Atheists, which is a comedy set in the music industry and the software world. All right. Thanks, Emil, everyone. Lots of love. Take care. Have yourself a great, great evening. Freedomain.com slash donate. I'll talk to you soon.